Good morning. I don't know if I should keep waiting or just go. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, welcome to Edinburgh. I uh, just want to say welcome if you're joining us online as well. Great to have you tuning in. Uh, if you're not familiar with me, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the pastors here. You're probably like, where's the better looking blonde guy that always talks? Like he's, we're giving him a break. He's uh, He's, he's uh, been running a marathon, so he needed the rest. So be in prayer for Brent. We appreciate him. Uh, speaking of Brent, can I just give him some props? He has done a fantastic job, you guys, of walking us through this series called A Higher Calling. And he has just done some incredible teaching on what it means to love, to love well, to love especially when it's hard. That's the whole purpose of this series. And uh, I just would encourage you, if you've missed any of those messages, to, like Tyler said, download that app. Please go out there, check out those messages that Brent has uh, brought. I guarantee you'll be in, uh, challenged, you'll be stretched, and you'll be encouraged uh, by those if you've missed any. Well, today I have the privilege of actually closing uh, this series on a higher calling love. And what have we been learning? You know what I've heard basically the last six, seven weeks is that this is not easy. <laughs> it's really hard to love difficult people. And as I've thought about it, and as we close the series, I've also come to realize one of the hardest things is the long game. Committing to doing this, loving when it's difficult, day after day after day. It's easy to do it, maybe for a day or two, maybe even a week, but to be called to do this consistently for the rest of our lives, that's hard. And as we close this series, I just love that, that Paul closes his section on love, and, and he's going to show us four patterns that are going to speak to this. How do we persevere in this? And he's going to lay this out for us here, some, some ideas and principles to shape our hearts and our attitudes so that we can go the distance. And I'm just telling you, guys, it takes hard work. It's going to take a lot of faith. Uh, maybe even some stubbornness <laughs> on our part, myself included. But I'm telling you, the, the, the effort to go the distance is far superior than giving up. Now, before we dive into these four patterns that Paul's going to share with us, I just want to start with a story that, that illustrates what we're talking about today. Let me tell you about Eddie. Eddie was a rough kid with a rougher background. He was a scrawny ninth grade freshman who was prone to angry outbursts. He was bullied from time to time. He didn't have many friends. His parents were divorced. Neither one of them seemed to really want him around, and no one really seemed to care about Eddie. But there was one person who did care about Eddie, his grandmother. Now, the hardest part for Eddie's grandmother was that even though she was the one who was trying so hard to show love and care to Eddie, she was often the one who received the brunt of his anger and his wrath and that conflict. And she would speak love and confidence into Eddie, and he would just kind of bat away her affections and grumble about her words. And he even went so far as to steal some money out of her purse from time to time. He just, he just barely showed any respect to his grandmother. Yet, she didn't give up. She continued to show him love and support. On ninth grade, something happened, as you can see in the picture. Eddie fell in love with the sport of wrestling. And at five feet tall and 90 pounds, 
He was the perfect candidate for the lightweight class on the school's team. Eddie's first year was not one for the record books. Of the six matches he wrestled in, he was pinned six times. And what happened? He took his anger and frustration out on Grandma, who ironically was now the only person showing up to cheer and support him. But something happened in that first year of the sport. A little fire was lit under him, and Eddie all of a sudden had a dream of someday become, uh, being a good enough wrestler to receive his athlete's letter. He wanted to letter in the sport. Now, whenever Eddie shared his dream of actually lettering, most of his teammates and his extended family, they just kind of smirked and laughed, like, okay, whatever, Eddie. But not his grandmother. She pumped him up with encouragement and told him to work hard. Now, somehow, some way, her encouragement and faith moved him to improve. And improve he did. Every day after school, Eddie was in the weight room trying to build up his strength or running the stadium bleachers to increase his endurance. Or he was in the wrestling room, right, working to improve his technique. Through it all, the one person who continued to believe in Eddie was his grandmother. Every time she saw him, she reminded him of what could be done through prayer and hard work. She told him, stay focused on your goal, Eddie. Over and over and again, she would quote scripture verses, right? Like, Eddie, just remember, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Well, the day before the next season began, Eddie's grandmother died. He was crushed. He was conflicted. He was angry. The one person who loved and believed in him was gone. If he ever did reach his goal of lettering, his grandmother would never know. Well, that season... Eddie's opponents faced a new person. What they expected was an easy victory, but what they got was a ferocious battle on the mat. Eddie won nine of his ten matches that year. At the end of the season, Eddie's coach called him into his office to inform him, hey, Eddie, guess what? You're going to receive your high school letter. Eddie was ecstatic. He was so excited. The only thing that could have made him feel better was to be able to share it with his grandmother. Then a a smile crept across the coach's face, and he handed Eddie an envelope. And Eddie opened up that envelope, and he pulled out a letter, and this is what he read in his grandmother's writing. Dear Eddie, I knew you could do it. I set aside $100 to buy you a school jacket to put your letter on. I hope you'll wear it proudly and remember, I love you and I believe in you forever. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Love, Grandma. Well, after Eddie finished reading the letter, his coach reached down behind the desk and he pulled out a brand new leather jacket with the school letter attached and Eddie's name embroidered on the front. And Eddie broke down in tears as the reality of his grandmother's persevering love washed over him and it changed him forever. Friends, Eddie's grandmother understood how to live out a higher calling, agape, persevering love 
She lived this out through her continuous love and support all the way to the end, even beyond the end. And that's the question that I have for us today. That's the question I want us to wrestle with. How, how can we live like that? How can we live like Eddie's grandmother? How can we persevere in loving others even when it's difficult? And the answer, I believe, is found in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, as Paul closes this section on prayer. He talks about this. So I want to show you what he says. Look at this verse with me. He says, love, you guys, love. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. And Paul here, he lays out, it's beautiful, these four patterns of what persevering love look like. If you're going to learn to love other people the way that God loves you, if you're going to learn how to love like Eddie's grandmother, then we have to develop these four patterns of love that are talked about in this verse that we just read. And so I just want to get into this. Let's figure out what is Paul trying to teach us here. Let's look at that first phrase that he calls out. He says, love bears all things. The message paraphrase, because I want you to get a flavor of what he's trying to say. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Love puts up with anything. The New Century Version says it this way. Love patiently accepts all things. The New Jerusalem Bible, which I just discovered and I just absolutely love this, says this. Love always is always ready to make allowances. Isn't that great? Friends, what's Paul trying to get at? What I want to do is want to give you a flavor. What's he trying to say? I can sum this up, you guys, with one word. Grace. Do you want to know the first step in persevering? Friends, higher calling love, agape-style love, you know what it does? It extends grace. No relationship will ever make it without grace. The Bible tells us, man, this is a part of love. You're not going to have any significant relationship with anyone unless you can practice grace. We've got to cut people some slack. Right? You've got to let some things go. Sometimes, can we be honest, you have to put up with a lot of crap. Can I say that in church? I just did. But it's true. Would you agree? But we've got to learn to extend grace. I, I, I kind of geeked out. I kind of greeked out. That's a really bad joke. Okay, this word in the Greek, see what I did there? This word in the Greek that's translated bears all things, it's the Greek word stego. Stego, and it means this. It means to protect or keep by covering or sealing. It's meant to give the picture of being watertight. Now, as I, as I found, discovered that, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, right? Like, why would Paul use that word? Well, another way to think of it would be like this. It'd be, it'd be like a roof, right, that holds out the rain. There's a sense that it's watertight. It's keeping some things out, and it's keeping other things in. Okay, here's my random modern-day illustration that popped into my head. You can totally laugh at me for this. Do you guys own any of these? They're called Loctites. They're like storage containers for food. Do you guys have these? They're like, they're like Tupperware on steroids. Can we just be honest? I mean, they're like super, like I, like, I had a work, they, they seal in, and they, you can clamp it down. Like, this is great. I mean, it's just wonderful, like watertight, airtight container, right? No air can get in. The aromas can't get out. It's locked down right? Well, the idea of bearing all things, it's like this container. 
in the sense that it keeps certain things in and it keeps certain things out. There are times in your life when you're going to have to put up with difficult people and difficult circumstances. And when that happens, we've got to be like the Loctite. Sometimes we've we got to clamp it down, which means we've got to not allow the junk to get in. Because what happens when that junk gets in? It contaminates what's inside. It contaminates our hearts. The flip side of this, right, is sometimes we have the option to take the lid off and let someone have it. It's like, oh, you want a piece of me? Oh, it's on. I'm going to give you a piece of me, right? Like, but what is Paul trying to teach us in this way? Stego. He's like, no, you clamp it down. You clamp it down. That's how you extend grace. We've all had those moments where we've had to bite our tongue, walk away, choose to let it bounce off. We've had to bear it those tough situations. Can I show you guys a great example of someone who embodied stego love, this love that bears all things? Man, if you remember the night that Jesus was arrested, he was brought before a group of religious leaders and questioned. It says the chief priests and the whole group, they're looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any even though many false witnesses had come forward. Finally, they found two guys and they, were, and they brought accusations against him. And can I just be honest? They were kind of like, eh, they were a little sticky, but they were a little fuzzy too. They weren't, okay? But they stuck a little. And here's what happens next. Look at Matthew 26. It says, the high priest stood up and he said to him, he said to Jesus, don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? Don't miss the next four words. But Jesus kept Silent. You know what he did? He had it locked down. He had it locked up. When I read passages like this, I like I just insert my worldly like Jesus. What are you doing? Let him have it. Like throw a swing, knock him down with a word. You're Jesus. I mean. You're the only one that has the right to give them a piece of the pie, right? Like Jesus just lay into them. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He demonstrates what it means to bear all things in love. He knew, you guys, that the higher calling in this moment was to extend grace and lock it down. It's hard to do, isn't it? But that's what the love of God does. It it bears all things in love, just like Jesus did. So, So who, ask yourself, who do you need to show some grace to this week? The truth is, we gotta cut people some slack. We need to bear some things. We're called to that. We need to shut some things in and seal some things out, right? That's where we start. We extend some grace. Here's what Paul says next. He says, love bears all things. Love believes all things. God's word version says it this way. Love never stops believing. The NIV says, love always trusts. The NLT says this way. 
Love never loses faith. What's Paul trying to get at here? What's, what's the heart behind what he's trying to tell us? Here's what I believe. Higher calling, persevering, agape love. You know what it does? It expresses faith. You see, faith and love, they're intertwined because love is built on trust. It's believing in people. That's what love is. Love says, you know what? I believe in you. I have confidence in you. I have faith in you. See, when you trust somebody, then you know what you're really saying? You're saying, I love you. So if you're going to love somebody, you have to not only extend them grace, but you have to express some faith in them too. I believe in you. I trust you. I was thinking about this, and there's, there's three kinds of people in the world. There are the gullible people who will believe anything. Okay, they'll trust anything you say. By the way, did you know that the word gullible is not in the dictionary? I'm serious. It's not in there. Okay, how many of you actually believe that? You've all heard that joke before, right? Okay, you've got the gullible, but you know who I'm talking about. Those people that just like, you'll they'll believe anything. It's like everything on the internet is real. No, it's not. You got the gullible. They'll fall for anything. And then there are the cynics. I was thinking about this. And, and these are the, they're skeptical of everything. They believe nothing. They're sarcastic. They're untrusting. They question everything. They believe nothing. They're suspicious. So you've got gullibles on one end of the spectrum. You've got cynics on the other. Then there are what I would call healthy people. And the healthy people are those who love. What did Paul tell us? He says, look, listen, love always trusts. Love never stops believing. Love never loses faith. You know what they do? They give people the benefit of the doubt. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's wiser or more foolish to overtrust? I mean, if you had to be a little bit more on the cynical side, right, or a little bit more on the trusting side, what do you think is wiser? Now, if you said more cynical, you're wrong. Psychology studies have found over and over that it's better to be over-trusting in life than it is to be overly cynical. It's better to trust too much. Now, can I be honest? This shocked me when I learned this because I'm going to be honest, I tend to be a little more on the cynical side. But here's what I learned. This question was researched in numerous studies. Psychology Today magazine report, I'm going to share this one with you. One such article titled, Trust and Its Consequences. And uh, Dr. Julian Rotter, the University of Connecticut, you can look this up, spent years studying the consequences of trust in human behavior, personality development, and relationships. He developed a scale to determine the level of trust in a person's life. Then he compared how trusting a person was with 10 different common behaviors for healthy living. And here's what he found. Study after study proved that trusting people are consistently less gullible. People don't pull the wool over their eyes. Study after study showed that, guess what? They live happier, healthier lives than those that are cynical and suspicious. The fact is, it's always better to trust too much than too little. And the Bible teaches us, you guys, and studies have shown you're better adjusted psychologically by learning and choosing to trust. By doing what? Expressing faith in people. 
I think one of the key types of evidence of trust is your willingness to give other people a second chance when they blow it. How quickly are you willing to give other people a second chance? When somebody turns on you or burns you or says something about you, what do we typically do? Let's be honest. We write them down in our little black book of grudges. (laughs) We all have it. But when we do that, we're not very trusting and we're not very loving because higher calling love gives people a second chance. Any football coach knows the quickest way to restore confidence after a fumble is what? You give the kid the ball again on the very next play. Otherwise, they develop, they get, they develop a phobia. Like, I'm going to drop it again. No, the way you help a child get over a failure is putting trust in them immediately again. Take the ball on the next play. Sure, you dropped it. Everybody drops the ball. And you give them the ball again. Friends, to be trusted is one of the greatest love gifts that you can give somebody. I believe that. Who do you need to express some trust in this week? A child? Maybe a spouse? A brother, sister? Maybe even a coworker? Believing in somebody is what real love is all about. I love that Scripture supports Scripture. And I want to show you this verse in Galatians 5, also written by Paul, by the way. He's just confirming this. Look at what he says. He says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. Persevering love extends grace when we blow it, you guys. Persevering love expresses faith and says, I trust you. I believe in you. There's a third thing. There's a third pattern that Paul lays out in this passage. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. God's word translation says it this way, love never stops hoping. The living Bible says love always expects the best. The message paraphrase says love always looks for the best. What's Paul trying to say here? What's he trying to get at? Here's what I think he's trying to say. Friends, higher calling love, agape love, persevering love, it expects the best. Higher calling love, you know what it is? It's forward looking. It's optimistic. It's not stuck in the past. It's not always looking backwards. Love, lasting love is hopeful. I've learned in life, rather slowly, I'll confess that, that people tend to live up to your expectations of them. Did you you know that? We tend to shape the people around us by what we expect of them. Think about the words we use, the empowerment we give. We set people up all the time. Wives, husbands, children, we set them up to fail or succeed by what we expect of them and what we don't expect of them. So I got to ask the question, who are you programming with your expectations? You don't change bad people into good people by telling them they're bad. It doesn't work. Whatever you want the people in your life to become, you treat them the way you want them to become, not the way they are. One of the greatest examples of this is, again, I'm going back to the master, is Jesus. Jesus was sitting around with his disciples one day having a conversation, and Peter Peter, uh, just had this profound statement, this really cool, like, aha moment. And listen to what Jesus said next and what Jesus is doing here. Look at Matthew 16. Jesus responded, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now, listen to this next part. And I also say to you that you are Peter. You know what Peter means? Rock. You are a rock. And on this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. What is Jesus doing here? He was speaking confidence and belief into Peter. He was speaking great expectations into Peter's life. And who did Peter become? Even after (laughs) he blew it three times, who did Peter become? He became exactly what Jesus spoke into his life. He became a pillar, a rock of the first century church. Friends, higher calling love does that. It speaks belief and great expectations into the people around us. So friends, I got to ask, who are you setting up? And how are you setting them up? We can set people up with our nagging, but when we do this, all we're guaranteeing is the perpetuation of the past because we're labeling. We're setting them up for failure. Don't tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. That's higher calling love. Love always expects the best. Love says, you know what? I see what you could become. And man, I believe in you. Love never stops hoping. It extends grace. It expresses faith. It expects the best. It's one other pattern that that Paul lays out here. Here's what he says. says, Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. God's word translation says it this way. Love never gives up. Very simple. I love that. The uh, NLT says it this way. Love endures through every circumstance. The NIV says this. Love always perseveres. That's the whole point of this message today. And the message paraphrase says it this way. Love never looks back but keeps going to the end. What's Paul trying to say here? What's the essence of what he's trying to capture? Here's what I believe he's saying. Friends, higher calling, agape, persevering love, you know what it does? It endures the worst. It endures the worst. Do you know what higher calling love is? It's persistent. It's determined. It's diligent. It is resolute. It's almost stubborn in its insistence that it will not give up. It will not give up on a relationship no matter how bad it gets. One of the greatest secrets, I believe, of higher calling style love, you guys, is simply this. You stay put. You stick it out. You don't give up. You hang on. You don't let go. You refuse to give in. I wonder if God brought some of you here today just to hear that. Think of it this way. When God makes a mushroom, he takes six hours. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes 60 years. Do you want your life and your relationships to look like a mushroom or an oak tree? There are things, you guys, that you will learn by hanging on that you will never learn any other way. 
the purpose of persevering and loving when it's difficult with agape love, it's not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. It's to teach you how to grow up. It's to teach you how to be unselfish, to be less thoughtful of yourself and more thoughtful of others. I found this quote and I'm like, that is so good. Listen, great people, great people are just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. (laughs) They just don't know how to quit. Maybe some of us need a little bit of that. Some of you are maybe here and you're ready to give up. You're ready to give up on that person. Maybe you're even ready to give up on God. I don't know. And God brought you here today, and I want to say this to you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let go. Persevere. Be stubborn about it. I'm serious. I'm not going to give up on this person. I'm not going to give up on my God. You hang in there. Learning to love is the single greatest lesson in life. Learning to love God, right, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and learning to love everybody else. Guys, it's why God put you on this planet. The only way we will ever learn how to love is by loving when you don't feel like loving. When people are unlovable and unlovely and and unloving, (laughs) tongue twister, You know what? That's where you learn real, higher calling, agape love. It's easy to love cool people like you, can I be honest? It's really hard to love everybody else. By the way, did you know that these four patterns that Paul lays out, they're the exact way that God loves you? Think about it. God just expects you to do with others what he's done with you. God has extended you grace. He's forgiven you. And he said, I sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. He's extended you grace. And he wants you to do that with others. He expresses faith in you. Did you know that God believes in you? Maybe some of you need to hear that today. God believes in you. He believed in you enough to create you, to love you, to die for you, to send his Holy Spirit to live within you. He believed in you enough to even give you the choice to reject him, knowing you could full well thumb your nose at him and say, I'm going to live a self-centered life. You need to believe in the God who believes in you. He does. He expresses faith. He expects, can I say it? He expects the best. He knows what you're capable of. He knows you can do so much more than you can possibly imagine. He knows that there are parts of your life where maybe you haven't surrendered and given to him to be the best you possible. And he always has hope that you're going to turn your life completely and overly to him. But guess what? He never nags. He doesn't do that. He waits patiently. Friends, God has endured the worst from you and he's never given up on you. We've been studying 1 Corinthians 13 for like seven weeks now. And I just, I want to end this message and I want to end this series by turning our attention back to the greatest example of this, living this out ever. The master, Jesus. Did you know in the Bible, here's what it says. It says, listen, in your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Jesus. What did Jesus do? Do you know what he actually did when he came to earth? He emptied himself so that he could be filled with love from his Father. He relied on his heavenly Father to keep his heart full. And this is like the real secret to learning higher calling love. It's letting God's love fill you and flow through you. It's Christ's love in you. Guys, human love wears out. It does. But Christ's love is eternal. It's the fuel in which you can persevere. Before you can offer it to others, you've got to get it in you. And so here's what I want to do. I want to close this series, and I just want to invite you, and let's go and say, God, we need you. Let's close in prayer and ask God to fill us up with his perfect love. Can we do that? Let's do that now. Pray with me. Dearest God, I need to feel your love today. I open myself up to you. Here I am. Put your love in every room in my heart. Fill my mind, fill my life, fill my body, fill my hands, fill my feet with your love. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving the promise of your spirit to dwell within me. I don't understand it all, (laughs) but I want to be filled with your love. And I want to learn to love you, and I want to learn to love the people in my life well. Forgive me for those moments where I live out immature love. I ask you to do in me and my relationships what I could never do on my own. I want to learn to offer grace. I want to learn to express faith and trust. I want to learn to expect the best, and I want to learn to endure the worst and persevere. Lord, I pray this prayer humbly, and in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen.